Alright, are we ready to talk about this? There can't be any doubt in marriage. The whole thing's built on faith. If you've lost that, well, you've lost everything. Yes, I suppose when that's gone, the marriage is washed up, isn't it? Do you mean that? Uh-huh. All right, then, that settles it. Well, I guess it does. I wouldn't go on living with you if you were dipped in platinum. So go on, divorce me. Go on, divorce me. It'll be a pleasure. Hello, and welcome to The Screen Test of Time, the podcast where we watch every movie ever nominated for Best Picture. I'm Susan Raslin. I'm David Daw. Sorry, I was reading the Wikipedia page for this movie. Uh... <laughs> and this movie is The Awful Truth the penultimate nominee in the 1937 year and a, uh, a screwball comedy about how funny divorce is. What is with the 30s and this, like, divorce is hilarious? It's, well, especially because, like, the code means you can't actually do anything funny. Like, this can't be a sex comedy because nobody can have sex. <laughs> and so it's like the... Uh, I, Susan, can I tell you, I really, I tried, I tried to get through this movie without hating it (laughs) very hard. And the thing that finally broke me happened in the last 10 minutes of the film. Yeah, which part? When, for no fucking reason, the way they indicate time is passing is that the two little people that jump out of the cuckoo clock in the cabin they're in are tiny versions of our two main characters dressed up like they're Swiss. Right. For no fucking reason. And I just screamed, fuck this movie at the top of my lungs <laughs> in the middle of my home to no one. <sighs> yeah, yeah. You know, we've watched some movies that were about divorce that were supposed to be funny that like weren't that funny, but were at least like had some A-level talent in them. This movie is like a bottle of champagne that has been left open for three days. Like every attempt at a joke falls absolutely flat the only gifted comic performer in this film is a dog skippy actually does have the few good jokes Cary grant is a very handsome man yeah and it's not that he is totally absent of comic timing or something but like god this movie just everything it thinks is a joke isn't funny uh can we talk about the fact that our female lead is one of the worst people to ever live And, like, her husband's not much better, but dedicating the last 20 minutes of your movie where your couple is inevitably going to get back together as a showcase of how the wife is terrible and doesn't deserve love seems like a really bad plan. See, I personally think that they're both awful and undeserving of love and absolutely deserve one another. And I think that one of the things that made it so difficult for me to watch is that from the very first scene that they have together after the divorce court bit where Skippy the dog is brought in to decide which parent he wants to live with it was just so clear to me that they're both terrible human beings and i was like why do i have to sit through an hour and a half of this to know that they're going to get back together because frankly no one else deserves their bullshit yeah i mean for sure i i really do not mean to say that jerry Cary grant's character is like a good guy But I do think one of the things that's strange about this movie is there is a scene where he actually does the decent thing in this movie. 
And then that's the scene where she, like, turns around and remembers why she loved him in the first place. But then she never has a scene where she does a decent thing for the rest of the film. In fact, she just breaks up an engagement where he seems perfectly happy by lying to everybody that he knows. <laughs> and then pretending to be drunk and getting them multiple tickets. Uh, I mean, yeah, but I think that in this particular instance, her heart if you can say that was in the right place she was trying to get him out of trouble for a lie that he made up and she's just terrible at doing that oh no i think she ex extremely explicitly went to that party to make it way worse all she does is tell stories about what a piece of shit he is from the point of view of this fake sister he had to make up because of her. He absolutely did not need to. He could be like, yeah, my soon-to-be ex-wife is at the house and she just picked up the phone. He didn't. That's like, he did it because of her, but he did not have to do it because of her. Had she not been there, he would not have done it in the first place. But he also didn't need to do it, and it was dumb and terrible of him to do. Yeah. But she goes there pretending to be this fake sister, specifically to make him look like a slob and make it look like he's been lying about his whole family, and like to make the family of the woman he is engaged to hate him. I think that is her goal when she goes there. Yeah, I have to admit that by the end of it, I was like, fuck all of these people, I hate this movie. So you're probably right. I guess we should tell what the plot of this movie is. It's pretty short. Cary Grant is a dipshit who's introduced lying to his wife, and goes home, and she tells him a story that's apparently true, but in his defense does sound like the most obvious lie in all of history about spending the night at a motor lodge with her handsome, question mark, music teacher. They decide because they don't trust each other anymore to get divorced in an extremely that escalated quickly scene. Yes. They then fight over custody of the dog, because I, which I understand because it's the only good and pure thing in this world is this dog. That is true. The dog is lovely. She moves in with her aunt who just does, you know, withering aunt lines. <laughs> And she has a brief relationship with an oil man from Oklahoma who seems like fine, honestly fine, but she doesn't love him really obviously. And so Cary Grant kind of keeps using that as an opportunity to needle her. There's a slut shaming subplot that really didn't need to be there to the point where I forgot about it until this Wikipedia entry where Cary Grant's character is seeing a kind of sweet dum-dum of a girl who works at a local club, and then it turns out that she shows her knickers in her musical number. Oh my, my god. god! Her underwear, which is like, her underwear is so... It's the least sexy underwear I've ever seen in my life. Which I'm pretty sure, like, that's the joke, is that she has, like, granny panties on under this thing. Yeah... Anyway, everybody immediately goes like, we'll throw her in a ditch and, like, fucking bury her alive. <laughs> She's a slut. Oh. And she disappears from the rest of the film. Um, and uh, that's terrible, by the way, if I hadn't made it clear from my tone. I hate that. Like, yes. I hate most things in this film. Jerry then goes and does the one decent thing he does in his entire life, which is that the oil tycoon's mom has found out about her alleged affair and has gone all oh my stars and garters about it. <laughs> 
And he bravely goes like, oh, no, 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 no. It was me. I was a terrible piece of shit. I ruined the whole wedding. He he kind of lays it on thick enough that it's obvious to her that he's like, I don't believe any of this. I just want you to know. But the mom and the oil tycoon totally buy it. Right. And as a result, she falls back in love with him. He then falls for her when... He figures out she wasn't, in fact, lying about the music teacher and because he catches her at a music recital. But then, in another irritating mistaken identity thing, manages to come over and visit her while that guy is over at her place getting ready to apologize. But then everybody decides to lie to each other in the most awkward and stupid way possible. So he believes the affair is back on and gets pissed at her again. God, just listening to you go through this makes me want to, like, flip my desk over. Yeah. It's not your fault. I don't want to flip you over. <laughs> God. I, well, here's the thing is, this definitely feels like a movie where I thought I was going to describe the entire plot in two sentences. And then I'm like, oh, God, no, but I have to talk about this other garbage thing. Oh, shit. Wait, no. Then there's this other scene where this happens. Anyway, uh, Jerry starts dating a rich heiress and, in fact, gets engaged to her. She, though, when Lucy, the ex-wife, comes over, Lucy, for no apparent reason, answers the phone super quick, thus leading the new fiancé to suspect Jerry of cheating. And instead of just going, no, that's my irritating ex-wife here to try and break us up, she should go to hell, he decides <laughs> to make up this elaborate lie about his fake sister. Right. Then Lucy shows up as the fake sister at a big fancy party, does the slut-shaming number from earlier in the film, pretends like she can't hold her liquor, implies the father was like the like groundskeeper at Harvard and Jerry's been lying about his family history and then pretends to be drunk so that he has to drive her home. Then that all works for her. Yes, it does. Irritatingly. <laughs> uh, they end up at their like cabin out in the woods and somehow just the irritating noise of a door slamming open and closed and the thought of not sleeping with this woman who's been just awful for the entire movie is for a single evening um, is so unthinkable that he decides to come in and apologize for. Here's the thing. What I guess I guess the idea is that the divorce really was his fault for not trusting her, which. Yeah, he should have trusted her about that specific thing because, in fact, she was telling the truth. But also, she lies to him constantly. And Yeah, but let's not forget that he told her that, that he was going to Florida at the beginning of the movie and then didn't. And then tried to, like, pull some shit where he, like, sat under a sun lamp to get a tan and then brought her, like, a citrus basket with fruit in it that was like stamped that it was from california right I, I mean like listen they both lie to each other and they are both terrible and what i'm saying is if the end of the movie was both of us should stop telling elaborate lies for no reason except we're garbage then sure but the <laughs> end of the movie is i should have trusted you more honey which no he shouldn't she lies all the time yeah i mean <laughs> the whole thing is is 
fucking ridiculous. Except that she did tell him the truth the one time and then he was like, no, I don't believe you. So, but that to me is like, then don't get back together. Yeah. I. Mm. If you feel like telling him the truth is never going to work out. So you're lying to him all the time about shit. Then don't be together. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> I mean, just, just, ugh. And apparently they, like, get back together and sleep together in this random cabin, even though their divorce is definitely final, like, today. I don't That's think- the other <laughs> thing, is that they're like, our divorce is going to be finalized tonight. It's not like City Hall is like... Right, like, in a few hours. I'm just imagining some justice of the peace somewhere going like, the Warrener's bone. Undo the divorce! <laughs> I can sense it from here. Right? No, they definitely got divorced. Her plan didn't really account for that. I mean, for me, I didn't even feel like she had a plan. I mean, maybe her plan was to break up the engagement, but it just, all of it seemed like such a mess. And in fact, one of the major issues that I have with Lucy throughout the whole thing is she never takes responsibility for anything. And she's incredibly impulsive and she never seems to be able to look beyond like the next two minutes and that leads to a lot of disastrous shit yeah though apparently it gets her back together with her husband i do have to like stress though she does for sure have a plan at the end because when the police show up for the second time to yell about the too loud broken radio by the way why are so many bits in this movie about terrible sound design about just making the audio as irritating as humanly fucking possible Uh... and then going isn't this hilarious because it happens four separate times yeah i don't i don't know i mean honestly like it's just it's just infuriating. The whole movie is just infuriating. Yes. And everything that they think is funny is like, no, this is this is not good. It's like one or two of these jokes would have been like, ah, groan, that's a cheap joke. And then you would move on. But every single joke in this movie that does not involve the dog is terrible. Well, honestly, some of them that involve the dog, it's not the dog's fault. But the bit where the dog has to choose between them is genuinely... Oh, it's so stupid. Well, it's not even that it's stupid. It's that, to me, I had a genuine emotional reaction of like, oh, God, this is terrible. And then she has a toy hidden up her sleeve, and that's why she wins. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I never forgave her for that. Yeah, I frankly was like, how did no one see this? Yeah, Well, I mean, everyone in this movie is an idiot. So I kind of let that go. Um, (laughs) Fair, fair. But, like, the fact that she would do this thing was like, you don't even give a shit about this dog, about what the dog wants. You're a terrible person. Do you think that she doesn't give a shit about what the dog wants? Do you think anyone gives a shit, actually, about what the dog wants? Do you think that Jerry does either? Because I don't. I think Jerry genuinely does. I think Jerry has a deeper emotional connection to Mr. Smith than he does to Lucy. I think both of them do, frankly. I don't know. I never get the sense that she actually gives that much of a shit about the dog. She just wanted to win him in the divorce. I mean, she plays with him. We see her playing with him. Kind of. And not just, like, to show him, like, oh, look. The dog is mine. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. The story of how they got married and even how they just met 
has to do with the dog. So it seems very clear to me that they actually don't give a shit about each other at all. They just both wanted this dog that they saw in the window of a pet store. And it was like, well, I guess if we're both going to have it, then we have to get married. Yeah, that's a fair point. Which uh, is a really bad reason to get married. Oh, yeah. The dog is great. That's still not a good reason. Yeah. Oh, right. What I was going to say is at the end of the film, the second time the police pull them over, when Jerry gets pulled out of the car to have to do a drunk test, Lucy immediately sobers up from her fake drunk and like puts the car in drive and wrecks it on purpose to force them to stay at this cabin. Right. Because he keeps saying he's just going to drop her off. So she like definitely for sure planned the whole thing. Or at least planned it from the point she started acting drunk. Yeah, but again, that's not that far ahead that she's thinking. She just seems to be, like, impulsive for the sake of giving this story forward momentum. Or, like, because she's just awful. I think the big example of that is her switching to being back in love with Jerry and being not like, boy, maybe I'm open to this again, but being like so fucking all in that she immediately destroys her own engagement and is just eager to destroy his in a way that like does not consider downsides to it for even a single moment. It's terrible, actually. It's altogether terrible. I really don't mean to keep harping on her to imply that Jerry isn't also a just fucking terrible piece of garbage. It's just so weird to me that this movie goes out of its way to give him this like moment of grace that is like why she was attracted to him in the first place. And then she never gets that moment. He seems to me like he's no more worse than like any general straight man. <laughs> Where it's like, oh, you're you're distrustful and uh kind of overbearing and I mean, you know, like obviously I don't wanna be like not all men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But obviously not all straight men are this way. But he just seems to me to be like on the level of straight men, at least in the movies that we are watching now and perhaps, you know, in real life in 2019. I mean, the movie does go out of its way to have a bunch of other people there when Lucy tries to explain away this night with the music teacher. And literally nobody believes her. Absolutely everybody there is like, oh yeah, you're definitely fucking around on your husband. And like, that doesn't make Jerry a great guy. The movie itself seems to agree with you that, like, this is actually what all dudes are like. I mean, I disagree that all dudes are like Jerry or that it's okay that all dudes are like Jerry. But I think that Lucy is, like, very specifically framed as being kind of self-centered and childish, really. She's very childish. And I think that part of the problem here is they essentially went into production of this movie and into filming without having a real script. And apparently a lot of this movie was improvised. And it is the kind of stuff that if you did it in like an improv class, like an intro improv class, they would be like, okay, so like, cool, now that you've gotten that bullshit out of your system, let's move on to actually improvising instead of coming up with ideas and like trying to force them to fit. Because all of it feels very self-congratulatory and very like, oh, oh, I came up with an idea. Isn't this funny? And like in a moment, a lot of unbearable shit can seem really funny or unbearable traits in a person specifically. Like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if she did this thing? And it's like, 
Yeah, once it would be funny. For an hour and a half, it's actually grating and just beyond irritating. It felt like somebody was rubbing a fingernail file over my spine watching this movie. And it has absolutely gorgeous dresses in it. And I still was just like, oh, I can't even pay attention to how great this costume is because I want to slap everybody. God, I am just reading that not only was almost the entire film improved, but the script has a fucking murderer's row of people they threw in the fucking garbage. Dorothy Parker worked on the script for this movie and they were like, mm, I'm sure we can do something better. Yeah. Ugh. I'm sure that us fucking around will be funnier than something Dorothy Parker writes. I That's the level of absolute just misunderstanding of what makes shit funny that the people on this film had. True story. I, in watching this film, the scene where she's trying to get back together with Jerry, but the music teacher's in the side room and then the oil man busts in and screams at her. The aunt had a line that genuinely was funny enough that I went, ha! And then I immediately like went like, oh, I need to write this down. And by the time I got over to a notebook, I'd forgotten what the joke was. And that was the only funny joke in the entire movie. And I can't remember what it is. I couldn't tell you what it is either. Because again, like anytime that anything happened in this movie that I liked, even for a moment, it immediately undermined it with something that was just infuriating. Oh my God, our hero Roland Young was going to be in this movie. And they were like, no, fuck that. Let's do... Oh my god. They really fucked this movie up. Literally every single production thing is like, this movie could have been good. And then someone went, let's not do that garbage. Instead, let's have her show her petticoat. And then we all faint. You know what it is? Is that Lucy and Jerry are absolutely insufferable snobs. And... They think that they are smarter and better than everybody around them. They're like the absolute worst thing that people think about New Yorkers. Yeah. Like at one point where Lucy and what's his name from Oklahoma are very clearly going to be getting married. Jerry like starts in on all this stuff about how like you'll have a great time in Oklahoma City. And you know, if you get bored, you can always go over to Tulsa and every time a new show opens in New York, I'll just think, oh, isn't it great that Lucy doesn't have to see that and she's out of it? And I was like, you guys are terrible. So it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> McCary didn't like Taylor's script. He believed the author truth would do well at the box office. With the Great Depression in its seventh year, he felt audiences would enjoy seeing a picture about rich people having troubles. Yeah, having troubles of their own creation. That is really, like, all it is. They have no actual troubles. During face-to-face -face negotiations with Cohn, McCary demanded $100,000 to direct. That's $3.3 million in today's money, by the way. Cone balked, because for a single moment, he wasn't an idiot. Anyway, McCary <laughs> walked over to a piano and began to play show tunes. Cone went, well, that's worth three and a half million fucking dollars right there. Who else in Hollywood can play show tunes on a piano? My God. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't understand any of the way that this movie was put together, except that apparently Irene Dunn, who plays Lucy, was really gung-ho on landing a new part to get the taste out of audiences' mouths from when she did blackface the year before in Showboat. Oh, Christ. Well... Yeah, 
Good. I already <laughs> hated her from this movie, so it's good to know I should have. It's bad, really, is what we're saying. I really didn't want to... I, I know I said some snarky stuff, but I really didn't want to, like, make you prejudge the film based on how much I hated this movie. So I tried not to just out and out go, like, God, I hated this fucking movie to you before you watched it. But God, I hated this fucking movie. Ah. Uh. Yeah, I did too. And I actually went into it with the same mindset of like, okay, it's going to be a screwball comedy. Let's take it with that in mind. Let's grade it on a curve. It wasn't funny, which uh, first of all, like, okay, then I have to throw the curve out because it's already failed at the thing on which I am curving. The clothes in it are beautiful. That's it. That is it. Like, that is the only thing that it has going for it. It is, uh, I mean, like, technically you can hear everyone's dialogue sometimes actually because there are parts where like they are somewhere loud or something is going on and it's like oh i can't hear the conversation between two people like the scene where jerry comes over for the first time to visit the dog and lucy's aunt has just brought in what's his face dan the guy from oklahoma that she has met in the elevator of their building and they're all trying to have a conversation and Jerry is, like, banging on the piano and getting the dog to, like, sing along, which means bark and howl. So nobody can hear themselves think. And we as the audience can't hear the dialogue, which I get it. I get what they're trying to do, that it's like, an, oh, you were there and you would know how irritating this was because you wouldn't be able to hear the people you're having a conversation with. Again, it's all this, like, irritating sound design jokes in quotations apparently the dumb asshole that made this thing won best director which i cannot believe maybe he like invented the idea of improvising for film like no one had ever heard of this idea before i mean still like <laughs> he did a bad job it was yeah i mean he did do duck soup which was a great movie but, you know, how can you fuck up the Marx Brothers? All you have to do is turn a camera on them. Yeah. So, Ugh. let's give this movie a score, shall we? Um, we haven't even talked about the fact that there is a uh, racist black maid character and a racist Asian butler character in this movie. So let's go all the way down to that, too. I mean, they weren't super racist. They just weren't in the movie very long. <laughs> yeah. I do believe the bit with the Asian butler is he flips over Cary Grant and goes... I jujitsu. And then Cary Grant flips him over and goes, No, I jujitsu. I was oh, I thought he said I do judo. So no, actually you're right. Super racist. I mean, it's possible you're right. That does not actually fully save the scene. <laughs> no, no, but at least doing a complete sentence that is grammatically correct is slightly less racist than having him say something that is, I can't speak English correctly. Even while being like, oh, you're Asian, so clearly you do some kind of martial art. And then the African-American maid is a mammy stereotype, who really most positive thing you can say is she's not in a whole lot of the movie. She's barely in the movie at all. I don't think she like said, does she really have a, I mean. Oh, she does. I wouldn't say that she's a mammy stereotype as much as she's just a maid. 
She definitely has the Spoonerism English. See, I also didn't even notice that. I apparently was already checked out on this movie from the very beginning. I really can't blame you. If you were waiting for something to check you in, nothing happens for the entire hour and a half runtime of the movie. I mean, a lot of things happen. None of them are enjoyable or interesting is really what it is, except for a couple of tricks by the dog. Right. Nothing like locks you in on like, well, now we're making a movie. Uh, yeah. No, it is really, it's really bad. I can't believe I didn't even notice that about the maid. I think also part of it is there were so many people who had come in at that point. And I was like, okay, but what is going on with this guy pretending that he was in Florida? Like, when are they going to discuss what it is that he was actually doing? And apparently he was just like hanging out at his gym for three days. Yeah. Just didn't want to go to Florida. Or like didn't want to go home. So said he was in Florida. Right. But like, why wouldn't he then just go to Florida? Anyway, this movie's bad. Uh, I think a two is like is is the best that we could possibly give it, and yeah. that is really only because while it is not a good movie, it was competently shot. <laughs> yeah, I mm, yeah competently. I mean, like I can see and understand what is going on, even if I hate all of it, and the writing, such as there was any writing is terrible. I made a joke at the end of last week's episode that like maybe Cary Grant was terrible to work with and the dog was actually just fine and like actually I now believe that to be true. I believe the dog was the only actual professional on set for this entire film and everybody was just like why is this dog so hard to work with? Why isn't he going with us on our improv energy? Like I... Yeah, the dog was like, can we please stop goofing around and make a fucking movie? (laughs) The dog was just Catherine Hepburn in last week's movie. (laughs) Can can any of you take this seriously, please? Like, I realize the rest of you are day players, but I'm on a contract, (laughs) so... They did actually have to shut production down because the dog had other work it needed to go do. (laughs) So, yeah, you shouldn't watch this movie in case that was not abundantly clear. Yeah, for this is, yeah, yeah, for sure. So, next week, we are watching In Old Chicago, which is another disaster movie musical. You know, I kind of want to see if they can pull this one out. Oh, sorry, no, just a drama disaster film. And oh. This one is not a musical. It looks like it ought to be a musical. But there is a feisty saloon bar singer, so... Okay, maybe that maybe it's there like... There probably will be musical numbers. Yeah, maybe it's about as much of a musical as San Francisco was. It's gonna be something, but at least we'll be done with this year. Which has not been the worst year ever, despite having some of the worst movies ever. It hasn't been the worst year ever, but I do have to say, like, the high points were not particularly high, is what I think about this year. Eh, we'll get to it more next week, but, like, the lows were low, but the highs were not exactly hitting it out of the park. No, they were not through the roof. And until then, this was a bad improv class. This was an improv 201 where everybody just keeps negating everybody's everything. It was no but all the way down. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, Goodbye, everybody. Bye. How are we going to sing?